Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale June 12th, 2019. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And every week we run you through all the new comics that come out, all the print issues, some digital issues, collections, stuff hitting the apps. You know, we want you to read the comics because we read the comics and then we talk about the comics. That's right. That's yeah. right. You're, you're just on your way back from the premiere of the most populous city in Arizona at night. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where you were going with it. Well done. Uh, yes, X-Men, Dark Phoenix, uh, Lorraine Sink, and I hosted the premiere. Uh, that was two days ago as we're recording this. We always That's, record early, as, sounds right. as listeners know. And I got off a plane. What time is it now? I got off a plane about 16 hours ago. You did a, uh, a Rachel from friends i don't get that it's i th- believe that's the friends finale i'm not a real big friends fan I'm, i don't think i've ever watched a full episode <laughs> I, i'm familiar with <laughs> she got off the plane no what am i doing seinfeld, that, for? seinfeld why am i doing seinfeld i barely watched any seinfeld either those those <laughs> that era of, of nbc comedy just did not yeah yeah not hit me uh we yeah got off the plane and by the, this morning, I had already gone to the passport office to get my passport as i am going to oh London. god Going to London for a little bit of Spider-Man action. That's awesome. Uh, the previous to that is much less awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but actually, it went well because yeah. I had like figured it. I planned it all out. Did you go to the place like, like, uh, kind of like West Village area? Yeah. Like the uh, New York passport office. Yeah, on Hudson. Yes. Yeah. yeah I did yeah. that. Yeah. At like 6 a.m. once Oof, in yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was brutal. Uh, yeah, but so it was smooth. It was smooth, too. It's yeah. smooth. Yeah. It's just, you know, you wait, you go. Do, 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 yeah, yeah. I did that. I got my hair cut. I have been in the office. You know, I'm like, I'm ready to roll. I may Oof. pass out at any moment. I'm getting sick. <laughs> and I've got three more trips ahead of me this month. But we're rolling. Oh, man. We're doing this. Uh, we got to dive into some books because there's so many to talk about this week. Let's do it. Let's start with Age of Conan Belit, number four. Uh, this is written by Teeny Howard with pencils and inks by Kate Niemczyk, um, uh, as well as some uh, breakdowns by Kate. Uh, finishes by Scott Hanna, colors by Jason Keith, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This is my first pick of the week. I, I, I've been a really huge fan of Bleat um, so far in these first f- four issues. I think I might have picked one uh, as one of my picks earlier, but... I really love this one because I feel like it just it, it very organically gave some a really wonderful backstory in a really concise way, um, a story about Belit's parentage and about the kind of it, it was just one of those things because like Belit is such a badass leader and character and you know we've seen her be like this like amazing pirate queen. And that's really cool, but it's even cooler when you get a story like this to see the kind of darkness and sadness that she emanates from. It kind of reframes everything in in a new light, and I really, really enjoyed that um, because, uh, like I said, it just adds... Uh, incredible depth to to everything. It's not just a, a cool story where oh that's cool, more cool things happen, more badass things happen. It's it's got the it's got the heart and the weight beneath it. Um, so to see how that generational aspect affects things for this character, and to see how certain characters weave in and out, I th- there was a couple of themes that popped up for me this week. The first being uh, death, 
a lot of people died slash looked like they were going to die. And the other one was kind of like new players entering the game uh, in a lot of different issues and really starting to shake things up. Um, So I think uh, thinking of that, there are some really interesting figures that come into play from um, Belit's past for, uh, you know, some new characters uh, that uh, she and her crew come across on this journey. But it's it's a really, really excellent, wonderful pirate kind of story. And, and you know, I'm, I'm uh, well noted as a, a really big Teeny Hauer fan and um, the uh, just agility to be able to tell this story with this kind of like this epic, you know, epic poem style pirate story. And then we've also seen her tell, like, one of my favorite Captain America stories over the past year. Or, you know, so many of the other things she's written, just being able to jump around tonally and across genres and things like that really, really, you know, makes me excited for uh, for the future of, of Marvel with Teeny. And, um, yeah, this, is, this issue is just another great example of that. Heck yeah. Yeah. All right, up next is Age of X-Men Apocalypse and the Extracts. Number four, written by Tim Seeley, art by Salva Espin, colors by Israel Silva, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, there's a pretty gnarly battle between Evan, a.k.a. Kid Apocalypse, mm-hmm. in here, uh, him versus Omega Red. Uh, and Evan, he's all, like, super jacked up. Uh, he can, like, you know, morph his body a bit, so he morphed himself into this kind of, like, Captain Apocalypse you know, looking dude. It was really cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a child, and it is a brutal, cosmic, deadly fight. Yeah. Uh, an outcome I was not expecting to happen in this issue. But this and the next issue we're going to talk about, they actually both have some major revelations for this Age of X-Men universe and for many of the characters. Nice. Um, we have another Age of X-Men book with... Uh, the Age of X-Men, Marvelous X-Men, number five. This is the end of this limited series. It's been a really, really wild ride. Kudos to writers and architects of the entire Age of X-Men uh, experience, Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler. This issue has art by Marco Faya, colors by Matt Mila, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This is one of those issues. Ding, ding, ding. Death, death bell. <laughs> I won't say who. Um, that'll be a, a recurring theme throughout this episode. Don't want to say who. Don't want to say why or what happens. But this issue being kind of one of the major players in this Age of X-Men story, like I said, because Zach and Lonnie are, are kind of leading the way on this. Uh, a lot of big moves are made here. A lot of things come crumbling down. A lot of um, status quo shifts for what's been established in the Age of X-Men. Characters returning. Other characters coming together for the first time. Um, a, a lot going down and real, real drama at the heart of all of it. It's something that I wasn't even thinking about as I was reading these Age of X-Men stories and as we continue to read them, as we continue to, to wrap them all up with issue number fives is I'm like, as I'm getting to the end of these issues, I'm like suddenly so excited. Like literally as I started to turn the pages, the last three or four pages, like, oh my God, this is going to be the jumping off point for House of X and Powers of Ten. Mm. Um, this is where we're starting with, you know, where we leave here is going to, in in some way or some form, push us into uh, into those uh, new series. So that's super exciting. And, uh, you know, we've said it a million times. This is, this is, there's no better time to be a, a fan of the Mighty Mutants here at Marvel. And, uh, yeah, this is a great issue. Right on. All right. Up next is Amazing Spider-Man number 23. This is the epilogue to Hunted. It is written by Nick Spencer, art by Ryan Otley and Cliff Rathburn, with colors by Nathan Fairbairn, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. 
this is the epilogue. This is also uh, lets us know that this story takes place before the events of War of the Realms, mm -hmm. just to sort of like put timelines in your head. Uh, if you have not read Hunted uh, or you want to avoid spoilers, you got, you should skip ahead. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, we're I'll do my best. It gets a little hard to discuss. Yeah, I'm as it is pretty much immediately heavily reliant <laughs> yeah. on the final, especially the final issue of of the Hunted main story. Um, it really shows that aftermath, and uh, yes, it opens up with one of the characters raging against uh, a bunch of inanimate objects and, and crying and being sad and frustrated and dealing with some loss and some grief. Um, there's a funeral in here. There's a wonderfully cheesy Captain America moment that I love. Like if you like the Captain America oh, yeah. turning the seat around and sitting down and, yeah, and yeah. talking to you, <laughs> it, it's got those vibes in here. It's really funny. Uh, there's a formation of a new team, which I really dug. There's a bodyguard moment, a la Bodyguard the movie, uh, <laughs> which I, I was really funny. The way this issue goes and reminds you that Nick Spencer can hit those like deep emotional devastation moments and the big fun like cute comedy moments and, and all in between. He's he's got it all. Uh, there's reunions. There's horror. There's blood. There's the birth of a new villain. Mm. And uh, yeah, I love a great epilogue story. You know, I think you know those those wrap ups yeah. are so fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Okay. Next up, we have Asgardians of the Galaxy number 10. This is the final issue of Asgardians of the Galaxy. It's been a really, really, really fun ride, like completely unique. Um, in the back, the writer of this series in this issue, Cullen Bunn, writes a really nice letter where he talks about how he originally had the idea for this team in 2015. And, you know, now it's 2019. It, it, it's been a long time coming. It's been a lot of planning. I think the editorial staff and, and Colin were just trying to wait for the right time to slot this in. And and I think uh, it's been so much fun. The art in this issue is by Luca Maresca, with colors by Federico Blee and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Another death. Another <laughs> death in this one. Uh, it, it, it's I, I don't say that flippantly because it's like each one of these deaths that we talk that that I'm talking about and that we're talking about this week is like it really hits home and and this one is is another unique one and it's been fun one of the main thoughts that I was thinking about with this issue is like this is such a wild team it's like such a hodgepodge group and it's worked really really wonderfully but this issue was really great because it felt like they were finally coalesced into a machine together a family yeah. they're working together they're fighting together this is a war of the realms tie-in and to see that and to just get that feeling it just it's so right and and, and of course uh, a comics master like colin bunn knows how to to pull those strings together right at the the perfect time and i think that's what this is uh so to see all these characters kind of shoot off back to their corners of the universe to see them them, uh, having gone through the experience to see who sticks together, to see who goes back up on their own, uh, is really, really interesting. And, uh, yeah, like I said, that was a, you know, these 10 issues have just been tons of fun. Yeah. Uh, it is a, as you mentioned, a war of the realms tie-in and it actually has some big moments for the war of the realms mm -hmm. story, sort of the fate of the team, as you mentioned, but the future of heaven, the yep. fate of the queen of the angels, there's some really interesting stuff in that issue. I highly suggest you check it out. Totally. Uh, we got another War of the Realms tie-in coming up in Champions number six. This is written by Jim Zub with art by Juan and Ramirez, Marcio Menez on colors, and VCs Clayton Cowles doing the lettering. It is uh, the big brouhaha in Brazil. Have you been to Brazil? I haven't. Mm. No. I'd love cool. to. Yeah. Uh, I've not been to this area. This takes place in Sao Francisco, uh, Xavier. Mm. Uh, I've been to Sao Paulo. 
But nice. um, yeah, this one is, is cool because sort of the undead have taken over South America, becoming the Dusklands, and uh, this has the champions battling the Desir and the uh, these undead warriors. And the Desir are like they're essentially cursed Valkyrie who work for Hela. So mm-hmm. you know, Valkyrie usher souls of the heroic dead to Valhalla. The Desir take you down to hell. They're they're gnarly. They're scary. They're yeah. really cool. Uh, I'm very much digging the crew that is in this book, though the the hero team. Uh, so the War of the Realms requires the champions to expand to get as much help as they can. So, you know, they put the call out in the la- at last issue or two, and so you see how that is formed. So we get to see Power Man in here and Hummingbird and Locust and Falcon and Patriot and just this expanded roster, uh, which allows for a lot of cool opportunities and great banter and great mm-hmm. moments between them. There is a big swerve in here that just got me. I thought we did something that initially bummed me out. I was like, oh, no. Why? But the reality of what has happened was so much cooler. And then you get the last page, final dialogue for the issue, uh, some big champions. Mm-hmm. Champions changes. Yeah. Ahead. Yeah. Uh, chit, 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 champions. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That would have, you could have also done that uh, <laughs> if you were talking about a chip book. You could have been chit, 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 chip, Zadarsky. <laughs> Do we have any chip books this week? Oh, yeah. Have at least two. Right, yeah. Right, I'll get there. Uh, th- this next issue, though, is Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, uh, number seven, and it's written by Tom Taylor with art by Ken Lashley, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by uh, VC's Travis Lanham. Uh, Mr. Taylor stopped by Marvel HQ recently. He did. We both got to sit down and talk with him. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, he's just the just the best guy ever. So, so cool to chat with him about a bunch of different things. This issue um, is just, it's kind of crazy because each issue of this series has just reminded me anew of the logline for the series as a whole. And I think that's a testament to how deep we get into each you know, story arc or individual issue like issue number six with Spider Bite, which was gorgeous uh, and heartbreaking and amazing. But then as we start a new issue or a new story anew, it's a reminder of what this series is all about. And that's about Spidey at a local level. That's Spidey doing the little things around the neighborhood on his block, things like that. Um, that certainly doesn't limit the expansiveness of these stories and uh, how big these stories can feel. I mean, especially this one, as we pull in the Prowler, which is really, really fun, really interesting. We have another showdown with Boomerang in here, which is super fun. And there's some Prowler Boomerang action combo that is really cool the, the, another like amazing thing and, and something that tom has really been hitting just the notes like beautifully on is Anne may everything that's going on with her the work that she's doing in the neighborhood the personal struggle she's going through how those collide with peter how those collide with spider-man uh it's really really beautifully balanced and yeah this is another great issue of friendly neighborhood yeah uh, all right, up next is another War of the Realms book. This is Giant Man number three, written by Leah Williams, drawn by Marco Castillo, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and lettered by VCs Joe Sabino. The big boys finally make it to Mir. Yeah. Uh, I like Mir. You know, when <laughs> I was a kid, they had the we had the trading cards, and I don't know, maybe I just didn't read them closely enough, but I couldn't figure out the difference between Mir and Lafe. And, right. But this series actually helped me out with that a lot more, that and reading the... Um, Norse mythology book by Neil Gaiman, just understanding that Ymir is basically the god of all the frost giants. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, like, 
he shaves off a piece of himself and there's uh, more frost giants. Uh-huh. Uh, and so Laufey's just, you know, current king. Um, but the boys make it to Ymir and it is not what I expected at all. Uh, Malekith, he is a dirty player. Even uh, finding ways to chain up gods and do some nasty stuff yeah. to them. Moonstone shows up here. She's not really like a villain or a hero here. Not good, but not totally bad. Remember, we are layers. Mm-hmm. People are, are many mm-hmm. things. Uh, right. But there's some, some nice warm moments here with the Frosty Giants. <laughs> the Frosty Giants. Uh, next up, we have Immortal Hulk number 19. Just, Oof. as always, it's a big old old boy. Yeah. Um, nearly one of my picks. I'm sure nearly one of yours. Is uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's written by Al Ewing with pencils by Joe Bennett. Ace by Roy Jose and Bellardino Bravo. Colors by Paul Mounts and Rochelle Rosenberg. And letters by VC's Corey Pettit. <sighs> this is, I, mm-hmm. we run into this problem all the time. Yeah. With this series especially. Because I just don't know how to talk about it. You don't. I don't want to give anything away because <laughs> yeah. it's like it's that book that you want someone to experience, yeah, as cleanly as possible. Yes. yes. Uh, it's like, how do we tell you guys this is the book you like absolutely have to read the moment it yes it, it comes out. Yeah. I um, there is um, <laughs> <laughs> it, Hulk versus this about the new abomination. Yes, and it is. Awful. Right, right. It is so that's like up. that's literally like as deep as I want to go on this issue. But on a, on a broader level, this this for me was like one of the most horrific issues in a long time in in Immortal Hulk, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, it it somehow ups it. Yeah, um, because of what happens to certain characters, the way that we see them in new ways, just kind of how Al uses these characters, everything we know about them. And our history with them, not just throughout Marvel history, but throughout what he's done in these 18, 19 issues now, and just twists it in a way. There's a kind of framing device in this that is really interesting with the narration um, that kind of slowly emerges over the, the course of the story. And it's, it's, really, it's really jarring and, and upsetting in, in, a, in, a, you know, in all the best ways. I feel like this is a, a rare, this is a rare thing. In any kind of podcast or medium where it's like the less we have to say about it, the better it is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know I mean? like because it's so good, that means we can't talk about it in really m- major ways. Um, but uh, uh, yeah. And, and honestly, that's the best that's the best endorsement we can give. And, and this one just continues with all the I'm waiting for that moment I don't know if it's ever going to come I'm thinking of that moment in Return of the Jedi when we've had an entire movie in Empire where like everything goes wrong for the for the rebels and then finally half hour 40 minutes into Jedi we have the moment where we get the theme and Luke jumps off the the skiff and he gets his lightsaber and he starts tearing dudes up. Like, that is the moment. And we're just like, oh, God, we finally made it after a movie and a third. Yeah. We're finally here. I'm, like, waiting for that moment where we're like, yes. <laughs> and I don't know if it's ever going to come. But if it does, I'm going to, like, jump off my desk <laughs> and, like, lose my mind. Just because of the depths that we've plumbed here are so deep. And, and those themselves are in their own ways highs. But uh, whenever slash if ever we get those heroic, hulky, Bruce Bannery uh, kind of things that you would think of as like a superhero kind of thing, it's going to be amazing. I, I, 
This this wasn't my pick. One of my picks of the week in here. I'm, I'm talking yeah, about it for a half hour. It's worth it. It's so good. So good. Uh, speaking of picks of the week, my first pick of the week is Invaders Number Six. It is written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Carlos Magno and Butch Geis, colors by Alex Gumares, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Man, oh man, I love this book. I hope more of you start jumping on this bandwagon because yeah. it is tremendous. Uh, Namor escalates things here mm-hmm. it is i mean it, it is it's his nature right like he's just a guy who he's he's got this temper and he goes and he goes and he goes and it's like he's so quick to jump up notches very very quickly it's so obvious how much chip just gets namor yeah and and, and how he puts him in positions where the action, the emotion all culminates in this place that just leaves him perfectly balanced between being good, being bad, being this kind of like entity all his own. And this issue like did that just so amazingly. Yeah. He, and he's someone who's dealt with such pain and loss and he's doing what he's doing out of a means of survival, a mm-hmm. means of protection. Uh, and yes, there's revenge, there's hatred. Like there's all, he's everything. He is so many pieces together he's you know reason why he's one of my favorite characters he's so complex and he's like one of your premier marvel anti-heroes or villains like there are times when you look at him as a villain or you look at him as a hero he can go either way depending on what the story is it's so great he he floods a town in this issue and does something to the three thousand people there that is really messed up uh and i was thinking about it it's Part of what makes it so heinous to me is he does something to them without their consent, mm-hmm. without their agency. Like he removes them, their choice out of an equation, doing something to them. It is it's bad. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't kill them. I'll say that. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. So it's it's you know it's really interesting. He's like see the, see the world through a certain lens, and Namor is a hero maybe in the story. It's fascinating. Um, the war against service dwellers has put Namor now at odds with Cap and Bucky and the rest of the surface world. And so Chip does a lovely job of juxtaposing the Namor of today with the Namor of World War II, you know, the younger Namor who raged against Nazi villainy. And you see he's definitely not become the Nazi level of villain, but mm-hmm. like the way he reacted to those Nazis then and the way he is dealing with problems now is sort of both an extension and sometimes a contradiction. Some, you know, like, yeah, it's that's a good way it's to put great. it. It's yeah. so complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love this book so much. There's beautiful art across this thing because you have two time periods. You have Butch doing the Namor of the 1940s, who he's you know he's, he's in his trunks, he's shirtless, he's like regal in a certain way. But you can see the fury and you see, you know, the pain and everything. And then you look at the Namor of now who is regal in a different way because he's wearing more like regal uh, vestments. He is carrying his spirit like he is sort of like acting as the king. And it's just wild. So detailed. Like there's these vistas and these landscapes that we see in here. Big widescreen action. uh, Terrifying moments. Uh, This book shreds like it is just tremendous totally totally agree it's so so good uh okay next up we have ironheart number seven which is written by eve l ewing art by uh, luciano vecchio 
Layouts by GLFO, colors by Matt Mila, and letters in production by VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, this is a really fun issue and also a really interesting issue. I mean, we get some team action, uh, team up action in uh, a great way between Ironheart, a few other characters that come to play. I'm trying to see if is this on the cover. It is. Uh, we have some 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 nice uh, Wasp Ironheart crossover uh, action happening here. Really, really fun. And these characters, as you can imagine, uh, just work and play off of each other so wonderfully. Um, uh, Eve just does a beautiful job at that. There are some zombie-esque folks that have come to Chicago. Uh, and we don't know why. Uh, we don't know what's up yet. Uh, we're slowly uncovering it as we go. There's some really, really spectacular art in this issue from... Uh, Luciano Vecchio and company, uh, just really great stuff that captures not just the action, but also kind of the youthful angle on all of this, because, you know, we just never lose sight of our protagonist's point of view. We never lose sight of the way they see the world for good and for bad. So uh, I, I really, really like that. And it, it's kind of a, a fun play on the like zombie apocalypse thing, because there's uh, some new stuff that's brought to it. There's some uh, really fun uh, angles and, and, and really fun little moments and jokes that are brought into it as well. But uh, yeah, love Ironheart. Love the series. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. Uh, we do have one digital exclusive this week, which is League of Legends Lux number two. Uh, I apologize. I've been flying and traveling and, and scrambling and uh, Tucker's been holding down the floor and we just we didn't get a chance to read this issue. We'll try to grab it and read it for you next week. But before we move forward with the rest of the uh, show, I want to give a big thanks to Marvel MasterCard, our advertiser this week, because, you know, you could be earning cashback rewards for buying your comic books, all the ones that we talked about here. How? With the Marvel MasterCard. Learn how at marvelmastercard.com slash list. That's right. You could earn 3% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on comic books, movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard. And 1% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. There's no limit on the cashback rewards you can earn. You can enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of a Marvel Unlimited subscription, or you can also choose uh, your superhero from one of six cool card designs too, like Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, just to name a few. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash list to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash L-I-S-T. All right, back to the regular part of the show. We have to talk about the next book, which is Major X, number five, written by Rob Liefeld, pencils by Brent Peoples, inks by Adelso Corona, with Romulo Fajardo Jr. on colors and VCs Joe Sabino on the letters. There's a huge question, which was asked, you may have been asking about Major X's heritage. We know that Cable is his father. That was a revelation uh, early in the, the series. But the other part of his parentage is answered at the end of this issue. Mm -hmm. I will not tell you who that is, <laughs> uh, but it, it, it makes me ask so many questions about when, and I want that story mm -hmm. explored a little bit, but I'm into it. I won't spoil anything. This is a wild book. You've got Old Man Namor and Sentinels and body switching and so much more. All right, next up we have The Punisher, number 12. It's written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Simon Kudransky. Uh, colors by Antonio Fabella and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. I just want to say right off the bat, kudos to the entire creative team here for just having such a specific aesthetic and visual style and uh, tone 
for this book and just sticking to it all the way through, being bold in their choice, saying this is the kind of Punisher book we want to create and just creating it. And I think of that specifically because like this issue almost entirely, it takes place like in blackness, in darkness at night, in like hidden places uh, where you're not sure where you are, just the same as, as Frank is sometimes. As he essentially is trying to fight his way back home, uh, we're kind of moving from the Warren Begalia now back to New York, uh, and it's all moving towards towards a very specific place. But uh, along the way, there's some, uh, of course, great, really inventive, kind of like there's a few like mousetrap situations that happen here which i really really enjoy and and i think those can be really tricky to come up with and write and visualize and have the reader just totally know where they are in space and time as you go along the way uh but this 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 team does it really beautifully um the final panel in this issue was like so much fun for me i like pump my fist in the air i was like come on like Mm. let's go frank I, i was so excited and i'm really excited now to see like the death and destruction and the ruthlessness that uh, Matt and Simon's Frank Castle has brought to where he's going next. So yeah, can't wait. Yeah, uh, one for me, this one has a lot of Frank Castle with a bow and arrow, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how much I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was real good. And then two, there's a really neat little Predator homage uh, from movie, right. the the first movie, and I was like, oh, look at that, yeah. it's gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, up next is Silver Surfer Black number one. It is my second pick of the week, uh, and oh boy, one there's like nine million covers to this yeah, guy. Yeah. Uh, it is wild. So hopefully you can get. There's a lot of great variants up in here, but this one is written uh, by Donny Cates and art by Trad Moore, and the two of them worked on the story together. It's an important thing. They are collaborators together, but they are also old friends and old uh, yeah, classmates. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and colors on this issue by Dave Stewart which is tremendous. He's a legend. And VC's Clayton Cowles on the letters. So last week in the Guardians annual, we saw what happened to a number of the heroes who were sucked into heroes and and other people Mm. who were sucked into the black hole that was uh, brought to bear at the reading of Thanos's will. Uh, So this issue starts off giving you another side of things, showing how Silver Surfer saved many of his friends, but kind of lost himself in the process. That's an important thing. Uh, one of the things about this, and especially of Trad's work on here, this is, I think this is the most alien-looking Silver Surfer book yeah. we've seen in a long time. I, I'm trying to, you know, think of other books. Asad uh, Rabik did a Silver Surfer book, and it's very painted. It's beautiful. His Surfer is a little uh, alien-looking. I was reading over uh, the Stanley Mobius Silver Surfer Parable recently, and it's it's not quite as Mobiusy yeah. as I remembered it being. I mean, it is. It's beautiful. It's incredible. This one, actually, this art in here by Trad Moore, reminds me more of traditional Mobius yeah. like designs and just bonkers, weird, cool things. It's real neat, and I say all this in the best way possible. It's. Just, I mean, it's so spectacular. Yeah, the Mobius vibes are throughout, but Trad just takes. All that blasts it to 12, goes real weird with panel layouts, dreamlike sequences, twisting things around. There's parts where, like, Silver Surfer's body is just is all kinds of shapes and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. things. It's, it's a weird thing where it's, like, a lot of issues I read and, I, and I'm like, 
And just in my mind, naturally, I was like, oh, do I, is this art good or not? You know what I mean? Uh, in any book. But this is like, it's, you can't even judge it on that scale. Obviously, it's brilliant, but it's just so deeply trad more. Like, yeah. that's the thing. He's his own ruler on this, and it's just, just like bonkers. Yeah. Um, you know, trad and a guy like James Stokoe, mm. right? Like, they have their own rules for what they see the story being yeah. and how they play with layouts. And there's sort of a gnarly dingy side to James where there's this alien cosmic bent to trad that, you know, comes out here. I think back of like that first all new ghost rider mm-hmm. um, when we first debuted Robbie's character and the things he does to Mr. Hyde in that story yeah. is wild. Yeah. It is wild. And and what happens here with surfer is wild, but all in totally different ways. I think this is going to require a lot of people to do like a double read. Read it once, totally. go through it, yeah. then go over it again, look for like the details and see where things go. It's just – it's a stunner. It like is, these character designs, we're looking yeah. at a few pages. Like these three that they – that the surfer yeah. comes across, the designs are like – they're trippy but also so scary but also like – just like beautifully done and unique, but also you completely understand what their deal is as soon as you see it. I mean, it's 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 such an amazing mixture of things. And these particularly reminded me of Mobius. Yeah. Things. Like you would see these in the Those lines. Yeah, yeah. Like just awesome stuff. I love it a ton. Um, the, you know, we get to the final page and the art and it's beautiful and stuff, but it's it's like looking into the Donnyverse you know, mm-hmm. this big tapestry, which is so cool. And seeing how he sort of puts all his ideas sort of connected, even in little ways and large ways and, you know, across different time periods and, and space. It's really, really neat. There's a letter by Donnie about this story and how Stan's passing affected not just the story, but also just Donnie personally, mm-hmm. uh, which was really, really sweet, wonderfully told. You're going to have to read this. Yeah. You have to read yeah. this. I saw people online talking about how they were taking the day off of work yes. so that they could go to the comic shop yes. and read this issue. Do it. Got to say, don't blame you. It, yeah. It's really, really worth it. Okay, moving from one pick of the week to another, uh, we have Spider-Man Life Story number four. Uh, this is chapter four. It's Brothers in Arms is what it's called. It's written by ch 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 chip Zdarsky. We did it. Uh, we did it. Uh, uh, with pencils by... Uh, the Magnificent Mark Bagley, inks by Andrew Hennessy, colors by Frank D'Armada, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. We are in the 1990s in this issue. We start off in 1995, which, if my math is correct, means that Peter Parker is 48. Yes. Um, obviously, the the idea behind this series is that what would happen if we, if we read... Uh, and saw Peter's uh, life story in a, in a linear fashion if Pete uh, aged, uh, you know, if he became Spider-Man in 1962 at the age of 15 and then he aged throughout the years uh, as he naturally would, uh, what would that look like and what would that feel like? It's so it's so interesting and, and, and it just works so well because you alongside Peter feel the weight of the years and we have done uh, reading these issues because he's been through so much and it's really interesting because it can't help but 
impact the Peter Parker that Chip is writing here, um, because it's not quite the Pete that 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 a lot of people think of when they think of Peter Parker uh, in their mind. This issue uh, has some uh, really big players come into into the game here and influence each other in a lot of big ways. I'm thinking of Dr. Octopus. I'm thinking of Norman Osborn. Thinking of Harry Osborn. Um, Tony Stark. Tony Stark uh, makes an appearance, which is really interesting. Um, uh, this is Parker Industries, Peter Parker. So he's kind of it's a it's a really glorious mixture of success, but also some real I don't want to say failures, but but a lot of difficulties in his personal life with Mary Jane, with uh, his family, with where he's been. It's an interesting one because I don't want to spoil things, but also these are unique spins on, on stuff that we know really well. Um, this digs into some uh, a classic aspect of uh, Spider-Man history, which is uh, clones uh, in, a, in a really interesting way. And it frames and then reframes and then reframes things uh, in a, a beautiful way that I think deals with the confusion and conflict uh, between Peter and uh, and others in a really, really, really wonderful way, a way that does does justice to that as an idea and as a concept. And of course, if if we're playing this linearly, if we're playing this kind of in a more natural setting, um, I think it, it just works beautifully when we when we look at it that way. Again, the hits keep coming for old Pete. Yeah. I mean, the the Parker Luck takes on an entirely uh, kind of darker you know, just really sadder uh, angle on it. That is not to say that it's a uh, sad book to read. It's so spectacular. It, it, it It's interesting. And I think as we start to, to see the topography of Chip Zdarsky's Marvel work emerge, as we get some time from uh, his emergence um, through to today, I think we might be seeing something where it's like Chip burst onto the scene and is like one of the funniest writers around. Um, just with so much lightness and just the spring in his step, Howard the Duck, um, Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, uh, his Star-Lord series, those come to mind. But w- when you look at them a little closer, they have incredible depth to them. And then we get to the, the era of Chip that we're in now that I feel like, which of course is no sh- shortness. We have plenty of humor and, and, and heart and all those things. But I'm thinking of Marvel 2 and 1 and then into Invaders and into uh, Spider-Man Life Story. There's like this very grand aspect to it. It's so grand, but so personal at the same time. Uh, and I think it'll be really interesting as time continues to go by to see that even more as the hallmark of a Chip Zdarsky story than the kind of like literally laugh out loud as you're reading aspect of it. Not to say that that doesn't exist anymore, but uh, it's it's really interesting and, and kudos to Chip, kudos to everyone involved. It's, it's just a, a great book. Yeah. Uh, one little piece of uh, tidbit I wanted to provide for that issue. Uh, this is... Something I put together as I was working on the This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club mm-hmm. episode for the 90s with C.B. Cebulski. We're touching on Spider-Man comics of the 90s, and I did some math. I think I'm correct. Uh, I was looking at the number of issues certain artists did for Spider-Man in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Bagley, 59 Spider-Man issues across the major series. Mm-hmm. So Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing, uh, which became Amazing Scarlet Spider at one point. Uh, one issue of Spider-Man. I didn't count his work on Marvel uh, on Spider-Man Unlimited or the annuals or specials or whatever, mm-hmm. but 59 issues 
uh, of Spider-Man in that decade, wow. as far as I could tell, which was wild. Yeah. Uh, he's not even the number one. You'll have to listen to that This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club episode to mm. find out who has the most issues of Spider-Man <laughs> drawn in the 90s. But we got to keep moving along to a galaxy far, far away with Star Wars Vader Dark Visions number five. Uh, I love the title of this issue. It's called You Can Run. Yeah. <laughs> the story is by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Geraldo Borges with colors by Marcio Menes and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, this is the most straight on horror issue of the bunch. Yep. Uh, it, it's a dude who is literally running from Vader, hence the title, You Can Run. <laughs> and on his path, he gets nicked by a hallucinogenic plant. Which uh, doesn't poison him in like a sickness sense. It poisons him to start seeing things and it allows for really weird nightmarish yeah. visions. It, it takes on the role of the those dark visions uh, in the most literal sense. It is messed up. Yeah, uh, really, really great stuff. Uh, okay, next up we have Superior Spider-Man number seven. This is another War of the Realms tie-in. It's written by Christos Gage, illustrated by Lan Medina. Inked by Cam Smith, colored by Andy Troy, and lettered by VCs Joe Caramagna. We are, we 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 were talking about the old Frosty Boys. Yeah, and Dem, Dem Frosty Boys. Dem Frosty Boys have come to San Francisco, which is uh, where Superior Spider-Man comes into play. Um, this is a really fun actual kind of team-up issue because we get the West Coast Avengers in here, which is so much fun. It's it, I think it works really beautifully, and I was so excited to see that this group, like, and more and more excited as I kept turning the pages because I think the the just like straight up righteous jerk of superior Spider-Man um, uh, mixed into the, the team members of West Coast Avengers. It, it just works really, really, really well. Um, and then it's super fun to see their, um, to see them all fighting side by side. Um, some just huge, huge pages in here as, Gwenpool herself says we have a giant battle scene. Um, uh, I feel like Christos has such a blast with like the whole West Coast Avengers crew, but especially Gwenpool. Yes, like, a million percent. He just seems like he's really digging that character. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You could you could tell how much fun he's having. Um, yeah, in this in this uh, 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 big uh, two page splash, we have uh, the Fantastic Four show up as well. Feels like uh, classic Fantastic Four number one. Uh, little shades of, of of that cover in here, but it's great stuff. Uh, another super fun uh, issue of uh, Superior Spider-Man. It's just, it's it's a it's a chocolate and peanut butter thing, and and it just works so well. The die is cast. Yes, Alea Yakta Est. I, we've talked about that on the show before. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, up next is Symbiote Spider-Man number three, written by Peter David, art by Greg Land and Jay Lyston, with colors by Frank Darmada, VCs Joe Sabino on the letters. I love that this book is set in the past because we can get some wonderful old references and cameos like Spidey crashing through a showing of Cats at the Winter Garden Theater. Uh, that's... Winter Just Garden Theater the street. literally <laughs> like, you know, like around the corner yeah. from us. Um, but... It's a spot where the show ran all through my childhood. If I close my eyes, I can see the old TV commercials for cats. It's like now mm-hmm. and forever at the Winter Garden <laughs> Theater. Like I can picture like the shots that they used for certain characters. It's so weird that like 
that is so stuck in my mind. Yeah. I didn't get to see it when I was a kid. I only got to see the show in a recent re- revival, which I right. loved. Um, but yeah, it's why it just made me so happy seeing that. Yeah, in this book. yeah. I, I I'm sorry. I, I I could not control my urge to jump in and just scream how much for my entire life I've been scared of the cats from Cats. They freaking freak me out so much. Twenty six year old man. I if I saw one on the street, I would like actively like walk around. If there was, I don't know, some sort of cosplayers, I don't know. It's the human cat hybrid thing. Oh yeah. Oh man. It. I, I was alive in the 1990s. I have a vague memory of like, it's kind of like black, and there's like spotlights. Yeah. And just like you know, and sure. they're just like doing the cat thing. Oh man. Give me chills. In the in the show, they come. Some of them come through the crowd no, too. No way. Yep. Yeah, no right near you. Way. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So good. I love it. Uh, there's another bonus in this. You get classic villain costumes. Greg Land crushes it with a big splash page of Electro. Is just you know green and yellow. The mask that is mm-hmm. just the lightning bolts all around. Ron Richards, I think, will stand for that costume so hard he <laughs> loves it so much uh I, and I, I can't disagree especially in this issue he looks incredible um there's some big unfortunate stuff in here with mysterio and black cat that that you know puts his puts their story together uh but poor cat and poor spidey uh i really would have loved to have seen that romance keep going mm-hmm. um that was not a romance i read through like of, of my spidey was back with mary jane it was you know Big hair and, and you know <laughs> married and all that stuff, but uh, I like the idea of the black cat. Yeah, Spider Man. I agree. So, like I'm like that's pretty good. Yeah, I wish that had lasted. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, next up we have Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number forty five. This is very nearly one of my picks. Uh, it's written by Ryan North with art by Derek Charm, colors by Rico Renzi, and letters by Travis Lanham. Um, I think this is the first issue of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl that we're reading after the news that uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl uh, is going to end with issue number 50. I am devastated. Yeah. I am so devastated. Yeah. I mean, that's for further down the road. We'll talk about it more then, but- um, It's not a cancellation, no, mind you. No, that's is, the thing. This is the story. Like, this is where Ryan and Derek and the the, uh, the whole team, this is the end. They're that, going out on what, top. Yeah. They want to- Finish their story the way they want. Yeah, exactly. Which is a beautiful and powerful thing. And uh, yeah, absolute uh, kudos to the entire uh, creative team, to uh, editor Will Moss, associate editor Sarah Brunstad. Just it's such a, 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 a perfect book in so many different ways. Um, it's it's so amazing. And I, I've said it before, and I think I ri- originally read um uh, Chip Zdarsky talking about his fellow Canadian, Mr. Ryan North, about this, about how for literally decades to come, people are going to be asking him questions about how to write uh, Dorian Green, the, just the right way to capture her tone, because it is so specific. Anyway, more on that uh, in the months to come. But uh, uh, this was that is entirely aside from why this is nearly one of my picks of the week. Um, this was one of those issues. It kind of comes back around. It feels like it, it's it's kind of an orbital um, dynamic where this book is so, I use the phrase light on its feet to describe, uh, I think, Chip's work earlier, but that's how I would describe it just because it's so bouncy. It's so fun. It's one of the most dense books in all of Marvel comics, but that doesn't, that, that doesn't, I mean, you just, you're just bouncing panel to panel, page to page. 
just having so much fun, uh, again, through that very specific Doreen Green point of view. Uh, this one, though, what I was describing with that kind of orbital thing, every now and then it comes back around and you just really feel the heart of the of the character and of the series. Um, and, and that really leads the way in, in a really beautiful way. This uh, War of the Realms tie-in uh, issue it deals with Squirrel Girl's relationship with Ratatasker, who was like an old enemy, and then now they find themselves working together. They're kind of clashing in their own ways, but um, they have a mission to do. There's an amazing little moment in the middle of this issue where um, Squirrel Girl is just alone in this snowy forest, and she's just kind of having a quiet moment. And she starts reading a poem, a Robert Frost poem. Uh, And a deer walks up to her. And it's just like this is what it's all about because it's a quiet moment. And it's given its time. It's given four, four and a half, five pages in the middle of this comic, middle of this War of the Realms tie-in, just to be quiet and to have this beautiful moment, this intimate moment with this character as she kind of, you know, decides to commit to what she's going to do as she's inspired by this poem, uh, as she kind of marches on. It's really, really wonderful. So well done. And that's exactly what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the heart of this book, because when it hits you, it really hits some really, really amazing art and some amazing colors, especially from Rico Renzi. Just an, uh, just another just spectacular issue of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, just in time for the big news about the series um, uh, and just another reason to to know why it is what it is, why it's um, absolutely going to go down in Marvel history, why it's so spectacular. Yeah, it's a it's a landmark run. It'll be one we put up on a shelf mm-hmm. and say this is this is premiere. Yep. This is this is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, up next is Venom number 15. Written by Colin Bunn, illustrated by Ivan Coelho with Alberto Albuquerque and Roberto Poggi, colored by Andres Mosa and lettered by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is another War of the Realms tie-in. Um, so Eddie, he's powered up by a Dreamstone, given to him by one of Malekith's Warwitch pals. Uh, so he uses the stone to make a sort of sim- pseudo-symbiote. Um, it's like a, he looks like a berserker symbiote, but the, mm-hmm. the suit doesn't have any personality. It's just... You know, it functions, but without the, the the presence. It's really cool. Yeah, it is neat. Uh, there's then a dude who found a jack-o'-lantern suit who also got a Dreamstone. So you get a beefed-up War of the Realmsy version of a battle between the two of them. Uh, I really loved the Venom jack-o'-lantern stuff that Rick Remender and Tony Moore and, and their collaborators did in the that run of the, like, you know, Agent Venom series and taking that mm. and moving it with you know, Eddie and this jack-o'-lantern or Eddie with any jack-o'-lantern. I think that, you know, you, there's a lot of grist there. And seeing that play out in this landscape is, is pretty cool. It's full of fire and blood, and it's it's a fun stop between core Venom tales because we're going to get back into that big Donnie story very soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, last issue this week is X-Force number nine. Um, this is part three of four of uh, of this second story arc. It's written by Ed Brisson with art by Dylan Burnett, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. The X-Force, of course, includes Cable, Domino, Shatterstar, Warpath, Cannonball, Deathlock, and Boom Boom. Uh, they're on a very specific mission. This issue, though, is really heavily revolves around Cable, what's going on with him, and he's been through a lot in recent months. 
um, going all the way back to Zach and Lonnie's cable series, um, which I think kind of really kicked it off. Um, and has kind of he's jumped across various different series and gone through a lot in all of them. Uh, between Cable and Rachel Summers in this issue, she's on the cover. Um, uh, it, some really big things happening there. I'm on record as being a really huge fan of of Dylan's uh, art style. I think it's it's so kinetic. It's you know it, it's in that um, David Baldion vein of uh, this like really wonderful mixture of like dark and gritty, but also like cartoony in its own way. Uh, really unique proportions. I I, I love to to see uh, how um, the this Rachel Summers story played out to see what's again what's going down with Cable in here. Uh, it's pretty dramatic and i think it totally totally lands um in good stuff with x-force and again this is another one of those x issues that like as i was finishing up i was like oh man like i don't know what the plans are for any of these characters moving forward in the x universe but this is another one where like oh man as we get to the closer to the end I'm, I'm just getting more and more excited um just to see what the where they're kind of shunted off before we we move into this new era of x-men history yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. I was really happy to see a lot of Rachel stuff in this yeah. issue. She's so important to like that, that future mythology, the Ascani, and and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. And she's awesome. She's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay, moving on from individual issues to collections on sale this week, we have Avengers No Road Home. That is the ten twelve issue limited series. Ten issues. Ten, ten issues. Ten issues. So good. So great. Um, yeah, it was weekly, so it'll be really cool to like read it in one Absolutely. chunk. And, yeah. Oh, man. Great stuff. We have Dead Man Logan, Volume 1, Sins of the Father, Decades, Marvel in the 90s, The Mutant Explosion, Fantastic Four Epic Collection, The More Things Change, Hulk Vereens, Marvel monograph, The Art of Umberto Ramos, what? Spider-Man. I want that. Whoa. Uh, the I know Scotty, I, did his come out? Or? I think we read about that like oh, a week man. or two ago. Yeah, and that's a hardcover. Right. So yeah. like, I have to buy it. Yeah. I want to get all my stuff for free. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to have to go buy it because I really love Scotty's art. And yeah. I love that like we're doing these art of books. Yeah. I'm a big art of book fan. Yeah. Yeah, oh. totally. Yeah, and, and Umberto. Yeah, so cool. Um, uh, then we have New Mutants by Abnett and Lanning, the Complete Collection Volume 2, uh, as well as Spectacular Spider-Man Masterworks Volume 2 and Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, The Real Thing. If you've never read Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, it's a book that we haven't really had, we haven't published in a bunch of years. It is tremendous. Mm. It is a Mary Jane-focused uh, book. Um, it's really, really good. Really well done. I highly suggest it to to anyone of any age. Nice. Um, yeah, really, really good. Awesome. All right. Uh, real quick on Marvel Unlimited. Bunch of books out this week. Uh, Namor, The Best Defense. So we're getting some of those Best Defense issues. Uh, actually, Immortal Hulk, The Best Defense as well uh, in here. That was a great story that, that's now flooding into Marvel Unlimited. First issue of Killmonger is on Marvel oh, Unlimited man. this week. Get into it. Reminder, folks, that is one of Agent M's favorite limited series of all time. Of all time. (laughs) Uh, There's some old uh, Cloak and Dagger issues that are added in here and uh, and a a bunch more. There's plenty of stuff. Marvel Unlimited, 25,000 comics and growing every week. Hopefully you are subscribed and you are just diving into everything. Uh, It's great stuff. All right. Great stuff. We got to go. We got to go. We got to do stuff. Oh, uh, reminder, I think this week the video version is our special August previews. September. September. Look, 
<laughs> I don't understand time anymore. I know. <laughs> uh, it is our September previews, and we've got a bunch of stuff to yeah. announce, a bunch of stuff to show off. We are. I'm very happy that we're able to do that yeah. for uh, for the show. So make sure you check that out. It's on Marvel's YouTube or social media accounts and, and all that stuff. I'm sure Tucker and I will both share it out as well. Uh, so on that note, we'll be back with uh, another episode next week. That's I'm right. Ryan. I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.